Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Last week, we talked with a military veteran whose life was changed at the age of 23 when he was blinded by a bullet shot to the head. He went on to become a judge, a lawyer, and a professor, but this week we'll be talking about another aspect of his life. We'll speak with Michael Sampson about his participation in Ironman triathlons, as well as some of the special challenges faced by blind athletes in these extreme sporting events. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Michael Sampson. I will tell you, veterans are a different kind of group because they don't want to view themselves as being disabled. They don't want to be uh, labeled as being disabled. So uh, sometimes when they talk to someone who has who has been in service and has suffered an injury, you can kind of bridge that gap that, hey, it's okay to be disabled. doesn't mean your life is over. You can still, you know, live a very uh, productive, positive life. You just got to, you know, take it one step at a time. You know, I can see that being particularly true of veterans, but I think it's also true to a certain extent with lots of other people, particularly as you get older and you may have something happen like losing your vision or not being able to walk as well, and you consider yourself healthy and fully abled, and then all of a sudden you have some limitations, and it's hard to see yourself in that position. Not only do you have to work with people who will give you help, but you have to be able to accept the help. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. I think, you know, it's one of the things uh, I noticed about uh, myself. You know, I, I had to learn to ask people for assist- assistance. That's hard to do. No, it is. No, because all my life, I, you know, I, you know, I uh, went to college at a very young age. You know, I was very independent. Uh, I became a, a young leader in the military. Um, you know, I've always been very independent, and that's the thing that, um, is an adjustment for people, but you know, but you learn you learn how to get around it. You have to, if if you want to succeed, you have to. Um, but in order to do that, you also have to have a um, what I've stated before is an appreciation for the people who always seem to be there to help you. I've been very fortunate. I mean, I have a a very uh, you know great group of friends and family that have been very supportive. You know, but at the same time, I've I've learned to cultivate, you know, those friendships and those relationships. As Michael says, no man is an island. We all rely on each other in one way or another. And it's not always the person with the disability who needs to ask for and accept help from the other person. I believe that any successful relationship is a true partnership. And Pete and I are always helping each other out. Sure, I help him read the labels on bottles and boxes, but he helps me get them down from the tall shelves. I help him with hardware problems, but he helps me with software problems. And we are always leaning on each other. I don't think we could ever do it alone. Let's start by reintroducing Michael from last week's show. My name is Michael 
Thompson. Uh, it's spelled S-O-M at the end. And you wear many hats. You were first described to us as a judge and a triathlete, and I know that only hits the tip of the iceberg. How would you describe yourself? Well, I think I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a middle-aged American that wasn't born here originally, but born in another country. I immigrated here at the age of five from the country of Laos. Uh, I kind of grew up everywhere in the United States and actually overseas because my parents and relatives were in the military. Uh, and they did government service. So, uh, you know, uh, throughout my life, I've just been kind of evolving from immigrant to being raised as an American. Uh, that's why I value, you know, this great country that's given me and my family so much. Um, and that's why I went into the military afterwards, served my country, got injured, uh, came out, and then uh, I had to fight to basically, you know, transform myself from a person with sight the person did not have sight. Your blindness resulted from a military injury, I take it. The injury itself was considering the line of duty because of the nature of the circumstances. It wasn't on like a, a combat field. It resulted from a off-base domestic dispute that um, resulted in myself and some friends breaking up a fight in an apartment complex in Austin, Texas. And what was the extent of your vision loss? Were you made completely blind by this incident? Well, the injury that caused my blindness was that um, in that fight, the person that, um, that we stopped the fight with, he went and got a gun, and he came up and he shot me in the head. Wow. You're lucky to be alive, it sounds like. So, right. When that happened, basically, it severed both my optic nerves and basically tore apart my retina in both eyes. I think the cornea was also damaged in one of the eyes. And now it's pretty much I have a little bit of light perception in one eye, preferably the left eye, but the other eye is all gone. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is Michael's experiences as a triathlete. So in last week's episode, we talked with you about your work in the military and how you became blinded and your rehabilitation, and then you became a lawyer, a judge, a teacher. And this week, we'd like to talk to you about some of your extracurricular activities and how you enjoy yourself outside of work. So tell us what kind of fun you have when you're not lawyering and judging and teaching. Well, I, I found out that, you know, as I got older, my metabolism slowed down. So I, I need to get outside and start exercising. You know, I was, um, when I was younger, um, I was an active runner. Of course, that, that carried on in the military. Um, but the thing is, since I went blind, um, it was kind of difficult to figure out how to um, do those activities safely. Right. Yeah, sometimes you need a partner to uh, get you into running or biking or some of these other activities. Right. And for me, I just, you know, I had to kind of figure out, okay, well, obviously I can't see uh, to run, cycle, and swim on my own. So I, I was interested in doing a triathlon. Uh, my, my home, uh, you want to call it home duty station, my hometown is Honolulu, Hawaii. And in Hawaii, a big sporting event in Hawaii is the Kona Ironman Triathlon every year. And that's a big triathlon. Tell our listeners how far each of the events are. 
Well, for a full Ironman, it's 140.6 miles total. And how they break that up in that one big race, uh, it's all in one day. You swim 2.4 miles, and then you go into a transition, you know, five or ten minutes change, and then you go on and hop on a bike, and you do 112 miles on the bike, come back to transition, uh, and five, ten minutes change, and then you uh, run a full marathon, 26.2 miles. That's quite a day. How long does that take? It varies from person to person, you know. But, you know, average is around, for amateur athletes, it's usually like 12 to 17 hours. Well, it's a 17-hour cutoff. Mm -hmm. So you have to do it in 17 hours from start to finish. You know, it's a very uh, big undertaking, as you can imagine. You know, at first I never swam, you know, blind before. So how am I going to do this? Then I never cycled blind before. You know, I also run, for that matter, blind before, so I had to kind of figure it out. <laughs> so how did you get into this? Did you start thinking that you were going to do the triathlon, or did you get into one sport first and then figure, well, I'll try running, see how that goes, and then biking? Or I, I started running with some friends to lose uh, some weight, but also just get my fitness level back as a local running group. I had some really kind friends who, who volunteered their time, and basically, uh, you know, come and meet me here in the mornings and, and jog with me around my neighborhood. And then eventually I heard them talk about, you know, there's a couple of triathlons. Like, oh, really? So I started thinking, well, maybe I can do this. And then I started looking at some local nonprofits who gave away uh, tandem bikes for, for veterans. So I contacted a, a one organization called Independence Fund that basically helps out disabled veterans. And they were willing to sponsor me with a bike. And all of a sudden, I, I was running and then cycling. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then eventually, I said, okay, swimming. I started, and then I joined a, a gym, and I started swimming in the lanes. And eventually, you know, I, I just kind of, like, picked up my distance. And then uh, I found some friends. Like, hey, you know what? We'll, we'll guide you in a swim outside the pool. Uh, and I, like in a lake or in a river, mm-hmm. uh, and, and for me, I was like, Ooh, that's a little scary. Right. Yeah. As you can imagine, I'm totally blind. So mm-hmm. for me, when I jump in the water and I have a, 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 a swim cap on, which covers my ears, but you know, I want the water over my ears. I'm, I'm literally, you know, I'm hearing impaired and vision impaired. So it's, it's scary. Yeah, it's it's nice to have the constraints of a pool and know where the edges are or the guiding ropes between the lanes. Once you're out in a lake, that's a very different story. Oh, it is, you know, because you can't stop and you you know, and a lot of times you're not going to be touching the ground. Uh, and then when you actually do a race, you know, uh, in a triathlon, usually analogize the swimming portion of a triathlon is like, you know, basically just imagine you know twenty or thirty people with you know, like little plastic poles punching you as you're swimming along the way for the first half hour. You know, that's pretty much it. So I was like, oh, that's great. Oh, because it's pretty crowded at the beginning, and you have to worry about crashing into other people. It is. It's very crowded. And you, you, I mean, you literally, it's almost like when you watch the beginning of any triathlon race, it's, it's like watching fish trying to, like, swim upstream. It's just nerve-wracking. And for me, in, in the swim... You know, even though I'm tethered to somebody else, it's still nerve-wracking that I'm trying to swim and get into some kind of rhythm and 
people are punching you, kicking you, and it's not intentional. It's just the sport. Right. Well, right. and even if nobody makes contact with you, the water must be very turbulent because everybody else is swimming nearby. Mm-hmm. Correct. And it's hard because when you consider the swimming portion compared to the cycling and running portion, you can't really talk to your guide, you know, because you're both in water and you're not really talking. You're just kind of, you know, you're just going by each other's movements. Uh, whereas in cycling and, and in cycling on a tandem bike, you can still talk to each other. You know, one person in the front can yell back, hey, we're going to do a right turn. We're going to stop here. And if you're running with somebody, you can still stop and talk to the person. Yes, obviously. right. Like swimming, you can't do that. Once you're in, you're, you're off and running. And I think in my first Ironman, I remember my guy, uh, he got socked in the nose. So he got a bloody nose. Oh. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we had to go off to the side so he can, like, just control his bloody nose. And then I got socked in the, in the eye. Uh, so I had a black guy coming out of the swimming portion of the race. So after you've done a few of these, I assume you've worked out some techniques to obviate some of these problems. Oh, you do. I mean, you literally do. I mean, you just have to be a little bit tough and, and you know, and kind of advocate for yourself. You know, at times uh, you have certain strategies of where you swim. And, I, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where when someone gets, you know, stuck in our tether, I'll actually stop, you know, and there's certain signals I'll give to my swim guy. He knows. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've actually, like, grabbed people who come in front of me and push them away from me to tell them I'm a visually impaired swimmer. Please, you know, don't get in the middle of my tether with my guy and myself because it's mm-hmm. going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I know during a regular marathon where it's not the third leg of an event, they'll have the wheelchair racers and any other specialty runners start at separate times. Of course, the wheelchair racers are faster than the people who are running on foot, so it's safest for them to go first. But would it be possible for a blind swimmer and your guide to be able to start like 30 seconds or a minute before everybody else so you're not in that dangerous situation well they do but i mean in a 17 hour day and people are going to catch up to you you know i mean uh, they used to they do put um the para uh, athletes in a separate wave when the swim starts but once you're in there you're in there with everybody else Uh you know you have to do the same course as everybody else, there's no special consideration from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, uh, in the transition area, they do carve out, you know, a certain area where you have more room to work with your guide. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, we've seen these transitions. They can get pretty chaotic. What is involved in training for a full triathlon? In terms of training for such an Ironman triathlon as big as that, I remember in 2013, I must have did like 12 triathlons. And I just did like oof, over at least 50, you know, outdoor swims so I can get used to, you know, just being comfortable being out there. And then I uh, just, you know, just train up for it. Um, it's part of, you know, you have to look at your nutrition, hydration for that long time period so you won't pass out. Um, so there's a lot involved. I understand it's very competitive to just get into the Kona Triathlon. How did you manage to get in? Every year there's usually only five disabled athletes that Ironman Corporation picks to race in Kona. 
in the World Championship of Ironman every October. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, I was one of the athletes that got picked. Oh, how exciting. So I raced Kona, uh, which you know, has a share of its own challenges because one, uh, you're swimming in the ocean, uh, and two, you know, Kona is very humid. Uh, and I guess, and also, I guess, three, the course itself in Kona is it's very uh, challenging. I mean, it's, um, I think on the bike course, you know, the winds in Kona can go up to like 35, 40 miles an hour across winds on the bike. Ouch. Wow. <laughs> so you're cycling 112 miles, you know, half of that route is uphill and through the lava fields in the desert of Kona. So you're, just, you're already hot and humid. And then you get smacked around with like, you know, 20, 30, 30 mile per hour winds in the bike. Wow. It just gets grueling. Mm-hmm. It's very grueling. You said you grew up in Hawaii. Did you have a hometown cheering squad there for you? I did. So my family was there. My guy, you know, at the time, uh, Tom Nick, we're still friends. You know, his family was there. But uh, his dad actually had cancer. So it was one of the last things that his dad got a chance to see before he passed away. So it was very special for his family. It was very special for my family. Wow. Oh, that's nice. I think for my parents, because when they saw me get, get injured, they were concerned that I, was, I wasn't going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as I progressed through my life, they're like, oh, he's doing okay. He's a lot stronger than we thought. And I think as parents, you know, to see your kids succeed and persevere, I think it's probably, the, I think, the true measure of how you raise your kids. Yeah, you know, I have very similar feelings. Many of my successes in life, the most rewarding aspects have been to just illustrate them to my parents that despite all the hardships and the times they were nervous about what would happen raising a blind kid, that, look, mom and dad, it worked out okay. Things are working okay. And that was, you know, sometimes the thing that made me feel the best when nice things happened. I agree. Well, I think, you know, the thing about sports you know, that I realized is that uh, when I did that, that full Ironman, that I, I, I can do anything in life. Because, I mean, you, you really do struggle through the training. I mean, race day is a gift, but it's, it's a very tough challenge. Uh, but I realized that, you know, I could do it. I was also setting an example for my daughters. You know, that you know, nothing is impossible in life if you set your, you know, your mind and and your actions to accomplishing that goal. And you've certainly demonstrated that in both your career and what you do for fun. Do you have any suggestions for other blind athletes who might want to start training for a triathlon? I do. You know, I think um, it's it's about problem solving. You know, uh, that's one issue, you know, because you're problem solving how you're going to get through each stage of the of the race. But the other factor that I think you, the human element, is that um, you gain an appreciation for people to help you. So I, I would tell, you know, blind athletes that always have an appreciation for the people who support you. Okay, so if, if you want to do a triathlon, you want to do, you know, climb Mount Everest, or whatever the case, you want to go to Harvard, you want to go to you know, whatever your goals are in life, always, uh, one, don't give up, you know, uh, two, 
have an appreciation for the people that support you because you you cannot do what you do um, without you know these you know, people. I mean, when I was training for Ironman, I had literally eight uh, volunteer athletes to train with me. Wow, that is a lot of people to train with. How did you work the logistics of all that? In the morning, I would, you know, rotate through a lot of times. Like I would run 10 miles. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, the, the next athlete will come in, and I'm out cycling better the athlete for 30 miles. Right. Not one person wanted to do all three of the events with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time. I mean, you're doing over 200 miles of cycling, you know, 50 miles of running, and, you know, 12,000 meters of swimming a week. So you have a lot of people who have to, who have to help you. Huge mm-hmm. commitment, yeah. You know, I mean, and my, my neighbors used to laugh. I'm like, what are you doing over there? You're just, like, <laughs> constantly in motion. Because they would see me on the road, I'm running, and then, like, two hours later, I'm on a bike. <laughs> you know, and then this was my life for a while. Do you have any other general advice for people who aren't necessarily athletes that you'd like to pass along? You know, whatever you struggle, you know, sometimes you struggle, oh, I'm sorry you're, you're having struggles. But a lot of times when you think about it, I think we learn about who we are and about ourselves, about our character, um, about just the, the big lessons in life when we do struggle. And so, so you know, it kind of came back full circle from, you know, being shot and becoming blind, you know, uh, becoming a, a professional and going back to school and becoming a lawyer, and now becoming a, a triathlete and a cyclist and a runner and a swimmer. You know, all these things, you know, I've had to struggle and I had to learn through it. But in the end, I, I, I've learned so much because of those struggles. You just summarized so many things that you've managed to achieve. What are you planning next? Right now, you know, my guiding eye on this, my cycling guide and I were trying to make the Olympic team for cycling. But I think uh, if we don't make the team for the 2020 Olympic team that's going to Japan, I know after 20, 2021, 2022, I'm going to engage in um, another adventure, and it's going to be an ultra Ironman. Oh, my gosh. Which is the 140.6 miles times two. That's over three days. Um, so that's going to be Hawaii as well. Uh, but instead of a 2.4-mile swim, that race is going to be a 6.4-mile swim in the ocean, a 230-mile bike, and then a 52-mile run. I'm exhausted just hearing <laughs> you say that. Good luck. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. You know, given everything you've been able to do so far, all it's going to take is some more hard work, and, and I've got the confidence you do it. And if you can contact us when you're done, we'll do another show about the experience. <laughs> you know, I'm still alive. Yeah, hopefully. But... That's phenomenal for anybody. Right, right. So that's going to be a big undertaking. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, because by then I'll be close to 51, 52. So uh, I think I'll still have some grit uh, left. Now for this week's final item, how to reach Michael, how to learn more about him, and some of the organizations he has found helpful in his many endeavors. 
So I know you have a website that's full of information. Can you give our listeners that website? It's www.michaelthompson.com. M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Thompson is S-O-M, as in Mary, S-A-N.com. It's a website we created for Kona. But, you know, at the same time, if you go to, if you Google Blind Iron Man, my name will come up. And certainly, you can give your listeners my email address, which is michael.thompson at gmail.com. I will certainly respond in kind, and uh, I'm always willing to help out. Great. Do you have any advice for resources where either wounded veterans or other people can find help in, you know, getting into these activities, getting back straight with life again? You know, you have a lot of organizations out there. You have the American Foundation for the Blind, National Federation for the Blind. There's an organization that helped me out, CAF, you know, Challenge Athlete Foundation in uh, San Diego. They're amazing. Um, I think it all depends on what your goals are. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing is you have to be willing to uh, reach out to risk, you know, maybe uh, a little bit of that privacy and reach out to people and say, look, I need some help. I'm taking, you know, a math class and I don't, I don't know how to tackle this math class as a blind person or I want to go to law school or I want to do a triathlon. I think there's there's plenty of people out there that if you reach out, you'll find some solutions. I mean, this is, that's a great thing also is I find that blind people, at least the people I've met, they're great in terms of giving you ideas on how to adjust. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have really close blind friends and I, I will talk to you about relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you talk to your partner in a way that cultivates a positive relationship as to uh, allow you to be independent as a blind person and not dependent as a blind person? These are things that, you know, it's out there. You just have to be willing to engage in that conversation. And do the homework. Yes. And as usual, we will have links to all of the resources that Michael mentioned, as well as his contact information, in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1838. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the accessibility of the United States National Parks and Monuments. We'll speak with Ray Bloomer, a 42-year veteran of the National Park System, who currently serves as an accessibility specialist for their accessibility support program. The National Park Service takes very seriously enabling all Americans to visit and enjoy in whatever way they are able these wonderful resources that they make available. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. 
We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.